Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes where we look back at content from the earlier years of the podcast. This week, I'm so sorry to say that the queer community is mourning the loss of an especially beloved member of our family, the legendary Heclina. The scene in San Francisco, in particular, just won't be the same without one of its most prolific show producers, nightclub event hosts, drag queen stars, who help so many other queens get their start. If you've never heard this story that Heclina shared at a Risk Live show in San Francisco in 2017, you might have heard about Heclina in one of several of Peaches Christ's stories that have been on the podcast also. Peaches was Heclina's best friend and longtime collaborator. So we got to hear about both of their adventures over the years on the show. Anyway, in remembrance of Heclina, here she is now at the Risk Live show at San Francisco Sketchfest in 2017, sharing about her pre-Heclina days in a story we call Rent Boy. Hello, everybody. Gosh, I'm actually kind of nervous. You know, uh, of course, I get in front of audiences all the time, but usually I'm not really talking about real things that have happened to me, you know, and so I'm finally letting you guys in behind the wig, you know what I mean? Under the wig or whatever. So I wanted to thank Kevin and the people at uh, Sketchfest and Risk for their endless patience with me because it took me a long time to figure out what I was going to talk about because there's just nothing unusual about my life at all. I just couldn't think of anything. So, uh, and up until the 11th hour, you know, I just came back from Brazil two nights ago and I'm really jet lagged. Yay, Brazil, yay. Funny enough, like all the guys there are into water sports, Kevin. They all wanted to pee on me. And I let them. But, uh, and the, the, Kevin and they, they were like, what are you gonna talk about? What are you gonna talk about? I was like, I don't know, I don't know. So I decided I'm gonna talk about my past. Now. I will say this, this is the first time I can remember when I went on a trip and I was coming back to America that I just didn't want to come home. Um, it's so fucking scary right now. And I feel like I wake up every day with a hundred more reasons to just hide my head in the pillow, you know, just looking at the news. But I'm grateful that we're living in this little bubble. This right here is not really America, right, you know? And I've been living in this bubble for a long time and to me it's normal. I never really did get the real normal people, you know what I mean? Like my parents and stuff. And they don't get me, you know, at all at this point. And I never could understand what their, their uh, ambitions were for me. The scope of their ambitions for me when I was a teenager was that I would work in a factory and get a Camaro. And that was really, that was really all they thought that I wanted to do. I was willing to do anything it took to get away from that reality, that small town uh, mentality, and make it on my own. And I've been self-sufficient for a really long time. And what it was, was I was willing to do anything I could do to not have to work a real nine to five job. And I have so much respect for 
prostitutes, drug dealers, go-go dancers, porn stars, escorts, anybody that does anything where they don't work a real nine-to-five job because I could never relate to it. And actually, all my friends, my friends that work real jobs, I'm like, what do you do? And they, they describe it to me. Oh, yeah, I work in a bank, and I do this, and I do that. And I was like, I just don't get it. And then, and then I have friends who say, oh, yeah, you know, I work, uh, I strip down at the lusty lady. Got it. You know, I understand immediately. And um, I have a lot of, you know, my, my friends who get, who they're unemployed for a while, then they get a job, and they tell me they got a, a new job, and they're really excited, and all I can say is, like, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know what I mean? You're, like, in the nine-to-five world. So... I've found, I've been a drag queen for a long time. <clears throat> you're, you're supposed to say, no, there's no way you've been doing it for a long time. You look so young. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I have been doing drag for a really long time and I'm so grateful that I have this way to make money doing it. And I will say that being a drag queen has enabled me to live a life that I never thought I could live before. And all of my close friends have told me stories about what they do for a living, and the one thing that I was never able to do was be a prostitute. And I tried it, and I tried it, and there was a few times that I tried it, and that's what I'm gonna talk about tonight. <laughs> the few times that I tried and failed to be a prostitute. <laughs> So there was a time, a really, really long time ago, when I was an attractive boy before I even dreamed of putting on my first eyelash. And I was living in San Diego. I'd just been kicked out of the military. Yay for San Diego. Some people out there. Okay. And I was living on the streets of San Diego and because I joined the Navy to get away from the small town. And I ended up uh, getting kicked out of the Navy because Ronald Reagan was the president at that time and uh, the Navy had a no drug policy and I was a real party boy back then. And I got kicked out because I failed a piss test and I ended up in San Diego. I don't know what I was gonna do. But I wasn't really business minded enough to become a full time prostitute. But I also wasn't old enough to go out to nightclubs. So I hung out in this area in San Diego called Balboa Park. And there was an area in Balboa Park called the Fruit Loop, which was literally where all the gay boys would hang out and people would just drive around this Fruit Loop and pick up the boys and people would party, and you know what I mean? That's what I was doing, that's what I did. And this boy got out of a, this white Camaro, I don't know what it was about Camaros. Everybody drove Camaros in the 80s. He got out of a white Camaro in the middle of the day, comes up to me in the Fruit Loop, he said, you're not gonna believe this trick I just had. I went to this guy's house and he plied me with beer and when I had to take a piss, he pulled out this potted plant and had me pee into the plant. And then he gave me money and that was the extent of the trick. And then, and then, and then, and then he drove me back to the park. And I thought, my God, that sounds amazing. Because 60, he gave the kid $60, which, which in 1985, that was a shit ton of money to party for the day, and that's that was really the scope of my ambition at that time, was to party for the day. So I was like, oh my God, I can't wait till this guy comes back to the park. <laughs> and let me just say, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I was a pretty good looking kid. You know, um, if, you're eight, if, if you're 18 and you're not good looking, you're really in fucking a lot of trouble, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, it's not gonna get any better. 
So anyway, luck, as luck would have it, one day I was in the Fruit Loop, and this white Camaro comes around, and he slows down, and he picks me up. He's like, do you want to go for a ride? And I get in the car, and he says, do you want to come back to my apartment? And I was like, sure. And we got back to his apartment, and you know, it's so long ago that it kind of plays out like an old movie in my head. I can't really remember all the details, but I remember the guy's apartment. It was a real 80s apartment. It was like one of those Herb Ritz photographs. <laughs> Um, no, it was pastels. It was more like a Nagel. It was a Nagel painting. It was very 80s. So he plied me with beer, and I was underage. He plied this underage boy with alcohol. And I had one beer, I had another beer, and, and I said, hmm, I really have to pee. And I kind of knew where this was going, and he's like, well, um, why don't you... And he pulled out this plant, and it was a big potted plant, and uh, my memories are hazy, but I think it was a fern. And he's like, why don't you pee in this thing? And so I was like, oh, well, all right, acting all innocent. And so I pulled my dick out and I peed into the plant. And then the pee started to kind of overflow from the pot. You know, it was gonna like overflow onto the floor. So he went and got a mason jar. And he, uh, I peed, I put the rest of the pee in the mason jar and I handed it to him and he put the cap on the mason jar and put it in the fridge. I didn't ask. I did not ask. But anyway, uh, I just stood there after I was done pissing, and sure enough, he gave me $60 and drove me back to the Fruit Loop. I thought that was so amazing. Why I did not continue hooking at that point, I don't know. I was just, I was not business-minded at that time. I was, it was not, you know what I mean? I was just like, I was a young gay boy, and you know, I depended on the kindness of strangers. And there were a lot of them around at the time. Uh, the next time I, tried hooking was uh, here in San Francisco. I had just crash landed from London and I was really, really broke. I had partied my ass off in London. Uh, let me just say, I partied a lot when I was younger. So I crash landed in San Francisco dead broke. I needed some quick money, so I went to Polk Street. Now back at the time, Polk Street was where all the boys would hang out and turn tricks in front of a bar called the QT, which is no longer there. Now the poke is nothing but straight bars and horrible marina bitches. But back then... I'm so sorry if you're a marina bitch and you're here, but um, you know who you are. Anyway... But back then, that's where the boys went to make some money. And I decided to go to Polk Street and try and turn a trick and get some quick money. And I remember this vividly. And I'm not, again, not trying to toot my own horn, but I went to the corner of Bush and Polk. Polk and Bush. I'm not making that up. That's where it is. And there was, a, there was a, a corner there in front of the QT where the boys would stand. And I went there, and all the boys saw me coming, and they were like, we're not going to make any money with this bitch, you know, trying to take our business away. And I was like, ooh. I got it all going on, you know what I mean? It's fresh meat. Um, so within five minutes, I got picked up by somebody, went back to his place, he sucked my dick and gave me $60. I don't know what it was about $60. I guess that was the, that was the uh, money that you were paid back then. So again, I was super thrilled. I could party for the night. Again, that was the <laughs> scope of my ambition. Fast forward a couple years later, I gave up on the partying life and I immediately became business-minded, and I started a nightclub called Tranny Shack. Does anybody remember that? And it became really successful, and I started making my own money, and you know, and uh, one thing I discovered when I started putting on a wig and a dress and high heels was how fluid sexuality is. 
I realized, even though I was such a party boy and I thought it was very, you know, urbane and sophisticated, I realized that my, my ideas about sexuality were so vanilla. I thought there were heterosexuals, there were gays in the middle, some bisexuality, and that was really it. But I discovered once I started doing drag, there was so much more to it. And once I put on heels and a dress and a wig, all these straight guys wanted me to fuck them. <laughs> they wanted a chick with a dick. And I thought that was so amazing. Do you know what I mean? So Tranny Shack, I discovered, was the whole front, the main room where the show was, was all these you know, queers watching the show. And in the front room by the pool table were all these tranny hookers and the people who were chasing after them. Now, I'm so sorry about the term tranny. I know it's not appropriate anymore, but it was called Tranny Shack back then. It's history, so get the fuck over it. And uh, so my door girl at the time was, uh, her name was Miss Chocolate. And she was a, when she wasn't working the door at Tranny Shack, she was a, a tranny hooker. And she would, I would sit there when she was taking money at the door and she would tell me about her tricks. I thought it was so deviant and exciting to hear these stories. She lived with a, a female hooker named Allison. And lived, they lived in, uh, in Bernal Heights and they had this like dingy house where they would both turn tricks. And I thought it was so exciting, you know. And I would see the guys that would show up and I thought they were so sexy. And I was like, I want to, I didn't need the money, but I was like, I want to try this, you know, this hooking, this tranny hooking thing, you know. And because uh, I felt kind of like a goody two-shoes. So... She decided, there was this website called eros.com. I'm not sure if it's around anymore, but <clears throat> is it around? Yeah. All right. So that's where she got all her tricks, and she decided she was going to toss me a bone. Sorry for the, for the pun. Uh, and she was going to set me up with one of her tricks, which I thought was, okay, I was really excited about it. This was 1997. Yes, I'm old, and it was a long time ago. And um, she was going to hooked me up with one of her tricks. And I was super excited. I went out and got a new outfit for it. And I went and got some crotchless things, you know, so my dick could come out and there'd be good access to all that stuff. I'm so sorry if I'm grossing you guys out, but that's really what it was. So, and it was a Saturday. And I remember this so vividly. I was so excited. I laid my outfit out on my couch and I laid down for a nap. And I was gonna wake up and get ready and put my makeup on and do this trick. And I woke up from my nap and I turned the TV on to watch it while I was getting ready. And all of this news started coming uh, on the television about the fact that Princess Diana was in a terrible car crash. And I was riveted to the television because it's easy to forget now what an icon to the gays Princess Diana was. We loved Princess Diana. She was this, well, princess. I, mean, I think that's pretty obvious. <laughs> but, uh, but also it was... She was, had this, all this tragedy behind her, and she was, you know, scorned by the royal family, and gays love a good tragedy, just like Judy Garland and all that stuff, you know what I mean? So we loved her, and I sat there, and I totally forgot about this trick. The, the time came and went for me to have this trick, and I was still glued to the TV. Finally, well, I think you know where this is going. She died. Princess Diana died. I hope I'm not breaking the news to anybody, but, <laughs> but she did. And so I was even more devastated, and I was like, I just can't be, I was inconsolable. I was like, I have to go out and be with my people, with my community. So I went to the stud bar where, uh, where I do tranny shack, and met all my friends there, and we were all commiserating and crying and talking about this tragic princess that we loved so much. And, and the night went on, and the night went on, and, and then all of a sudden it was time for the club to close, and we didn't want to go home, we wanted to stay together. We're like, where are we gonna go? Somebody had the idea to go to Blow Buddies. 
If you don't know what Blow Buddies is, just Google it. But I think the name pretty much says what it is. So we went to, we, we, you could walk from the stud to Blow Buddies. And as we were walking from the stud to Blow Buddies, I remember this vividly. It occurred to me what a total flop I was at being a hooker. Because I, I think that I just, I've never had it in me, and I totally respect people who can shut themselves off and have sex for money. I kind of have to be attracted to the people. I have to be really into it. It's more, to me, it's more of a, uh, a glamorous thing, like, kind of like prison rape, but it's probably not as, as, it's not as, I mean, it's a fantasy, but it's, I don't think it's not as glamorous as, it, as the, the reality is probably not as glamorous. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it's something you can whack off to, but you don't really want it to happen to you. Uh, so anyway, is that the one that stormed the stage? Okay. Uh, anyway, I was walking to Blow Buddies and I was like, I'm really a failure. Not only am I giving sex away for free now, but I'm actually paying for it because I have to pay to get into Blow Buddies. So I'm really a failure. And I go in there, I, I'm having sex, and, and I'm still thinking about Princess Diana. <laughs> and I'm sucking dick. <laughs> and it occurred to me that I was doing that, there was some nobility behind it this one time. <laughs> I was doing it for her. <laughs> I was sucking dick for Princess Diana. <laughs> and that's really it. That was the end of my prostitution time. I'm still giving it away. Thank you.